Welcome to Healthy Beast. Today's guest is the actor and mental health campaigner Stephen Upple. Now he's here to talk about a film he made called Abe, A-B-E. It's a short film. You can watch it on YouTube. If you just search Abe, A-B-E, you'll find it. It's quite a disturbing film to watch. It's a film he made about um, a man's battle with mental health issues and he did it after losing his brother. Now, I talked to him a lot about this and particularly about the weight loss he went through to make this film. And, well, we both agreed, I think it was very important for him to make this film. Perhaps the way he went about it wasn't the most sensible thing for his health. The podcast starts rather abruptly because I don't even get to introduce him because we started off ranting about other things which were not really relevant, which I'll leave at the end of the podcast if you want to listen to those but otherwise I mentioned the fact that he was in Hollyoaks for years and he makes a kind of noise a strange slightly embarrassed to have been in Hollyoaks noise make of that what you will but then he gets into talking about the real stuff this film he's made he's and also his struggles with acting in general what I really like about him he's a very positive guy to everything and He's just quite inspirational to talk to. I hope you enjoy listening. It's got to be tough. So you had success. So you were in Hollyoaks for... <coughs> yeah. I've got to, I have to ask, yeah, you, no, I have no, to it's ask all, you about it's it. It's all good. So you were in for how long? For Three years. Three years. Three how years. long ago is that now? Oh, God, um, 2007 to 2010. So, so what, how, how, what age were you when you started? So you um, 27. I left at 30. So I'm 40 now. So. What was it like being a soap? Because you, you, before that you'd been in like various things or not that much? Yeah, no, I'd done a lot of theatre. So okay. um, I, I went to Arts Ed. I trained professionally at Arts Ed. Before that, I did an English Lit degree at uni, not having a clue what I wanted to do. And then I got my first couple of gigs in the West End. So I did the History Boys at the Royal National Theatre. I worked for Andrew Lloyd Webber. I can sing a little, so I did Joseph and his amazing technical dream court and Rod Stewart's musical, Tonight's a Night. And then got like a couple of little touches with just one or two lines in low budget British films. So I did a film called Red Mercury, which starred Stockard Channing. Remember, she played Rizzo in Greece and then was in the West Wing yeah. for years, the Aaron Sorkin show. And then, yeah, the call came up for Hollyoaks. And obviously at the time it was just all about I was brand new to the game and I'd, I'd just take anything, you know, I just wanted to audition and learn and get that experience. And the first call I got, it was just for one line, one scene to play a personal trainer as a guest, guest step. So I went all the way down to Liverpool where it's filmed, um, did the audition, never heard nothing because that, that's normal in the game, you know, you only hear back if you've got the job or if you've got a recall for a particular job. So anyway, I um, forgot all about it. And then eight months later, um, finishing off on the History Boys, I get another call saying, look, they, they want you to come in for a new season regular. You'll be the first. They, they want an Indian character in the show. At the time, I think being running 19 years and they hadn't had like um, an Indian or an Asian character in They're the show. They're not fully white. <laughs> well, there was, there was some uh, mixed race and black 
black actors in there, but there was not, not that. So I was like, yeah, cool. And anyway, long story short, I ended up getting the job after seven or eight auditions and they built a family around the character and, and off I went. So from that brought one... Bought some more Indians in. Yeah, yeah. Well, so they got one. Well, that's it. But they ended up... Um, the family didn't particularly work. Nothing to do with their abilities. It just didn't work. So they, they were axed like a, a year into their contracts. But yeah, and I'm so grateful for that job because since then I've had the opportunities to do films and like TV series and my, my own short film nothing has been as difficult as a soap the the amount of pages scenes you film in a day you literally have to think on your feet you have to be so quick and efficient because it's like factory so you, what do you think of soap stars swanning around you know going out drinking Doing a little bit of acting, it's not like that. No, no, not at all. It's, it's, you do get a lot of that with the younger ones. Do you know, if it's a first, it, it can get to your head a little. If it's your first big gig and all of a sudden you've gone from obscurity to being recognised all the time, um, a lot of them get carried away with that um, and some of them continue with that lifestyle. Uh, but no, it's, it's 18 hour days. If you've got an intense storyline, you could be on set for, for 18 hours and, and crazy stuff like you get your call time the night before. So you'll get a phone call from the office around about six. It's usually six every night. It might vary for different soaps. This is just from my experience. And they'll say, hey, Stephen, your call time for tomorrow is you've got to be in wardrobe for five o'clock, makeup for 5.30. So I'm like, cool, and we've just emailed across the scenes that you need, you're gonna be shooting tomorrow that you need to learn. So that's at six o'clock at night. So you might get anywhere between a minimum of five up to 20 pages to learn for the, ne for the next day's filming. So you'll spend two or three hours going over it, learning that on the night. Then you may turn up to set the next day and one of the other actors is ill or there's, there's something wrong with the set or the lighting. So all those pages get thrown out and they go, no, we're gonna to have to film this today instead. So you're on set, we, we, and that's why sometimes you can get very mediocre performances in Salt World because they are literally like fight, fighting for time. There's, there's literally no prep. In theater, you get the luxury of four weeks intensive rehearsals, like eight hour days where it's just you and, uh, with your cast and you're directing, you're exploring the text and, and going really deep. You, and you very rarely get that on films, but films are much slower pace. And you know that what's in that film, that 90 page script, it's gonna change like minutely. There's not gonna be major changes. And if there are, you get more time to, to work it. So yes, soaps were like, the best learning ground ever and I'll be forever grateful for that job because without it I wouldn't be able to do what I do now. So I want to talk about Abe. Yep. The film you so you did so you starred in it, you wrote it, wrote it. produced it, wrote the theme tune. Sadly <laughs> Yeah. I literally did did the lot. So this is a short film. It's a, a short a -B -E. film. Yeah. And you can now you can watch it for you can watch it on YouTube now. Yeah, right? you can watch it for free on YouTube. It got it won the Triforce Film Festival and was screened at BAFTA and it got a distribution deal from that by a company called Shorts International which um, focuses primarily on short films. 
so they put it on Amazon and iTunes and Google Play and it's still on there available for $1.99 but you can watch it for free on YouTube now and it, the reception was insane I think in 2018 it was the most downloaded short film of the year and like even to this day the worst review it's had is I'm so disappointed this was 15 minutes long I feel like I've been cheated I should have wanted more it, yeah should have yeah. been a film if you're uh, going to get negative comments that's quite a good one yeah to and I was just like that's that's awesome and to be honest I did write a 90 page script for Abe but being an unknown um, and a first time writer it wasn't the first thing I'd wrote but it's the first thing I was that I'd written that I was attempting to get made just couldn't get the funding I wouldn't have been like nobody to give me that shot whereas with a short just condensing it into 15 minutes I could get I did a crowdfunding so I did Indiegogo and raised £15,000 to shoot to shoot the short film so that's how I that's how I've like stepped up into that into that game so it's, it's an amazing film and it's very, it's very moving and without sort of giving away everything that happens it's about a guy with mental health issues yeah. living on the streets yeah. so what what was it that pushed you into making a film about that well um a few things one of my older brothers suffered from drugs and alcohol and mainly drugs really and and he just started losing his mind and he passed away in 2012 the irony is he just started getting his life together had been clean for about three or four years started to get fit again and growing up he was my hero this is lucky and I, at the end of the film it's de the film's dedicated to to my brother and um growing up he had everything you know like he, he was like a little superstar in our local area so he was hard as nails and in a small town that that that's as good as being a footballer you know so we'd always at 14 he was taking me in clubs and stuff and all the bounces and, and so i'm like that looking up at him going oh my god you're like you're like this idol in this small town so i doted on him and growing up i just wanted to be exactly like him but he'd always say you don't you don't want to be like me you're better than me this is it's it's all a front it's all a, you don't want to do this um so when he passed away just a bit of me died i've never been the same since and i never will um i just wanted a way to to bring light to this because i remember when he was going through those struggles he died at 45 so like i'm five years younger he was 11 years older than me should be 51 um, but he went at 45 and I can just remember seeing him going through that and being a man and being especially in the northeast it's frowned upon you don't show weakness as a man you don't cry you don't do stuff like that so this this man I'd idolised I'd grown up watching um, who had the world at his feet seeing become a shell of himself I was like and the thoughts going through my head was you're a pussy what, what you're being so far because I'd never experienced it myself I'd never understood what he was going through I just thought depression and things like that was a farce it was a joke it was just weak people making an excuse for not having what they want in life and since that ridiculously obnoxious point of view I've experienced depression and um, low periods in my own life as I've grown up and thought oh my god you reap what you saw right and and just experiencing that 
just the amount of guilt and remorse that flooded into my body. I was like, this is, this is insane. No longer am I gonna like hide and pretend things are all right. Because if I do that, then someone else is gonna repress it and think, oh, I can't show my, my, my emotions and things like that. So I just want it to be an open book. And, and I've spoken openly about the depression I went through. I never took any pills or anything for it, but I did go and see a doctor and um, the doctor explained what the pills would do and I was like I want to I want to try and do it on my own for six months and I just again that fitness is my savior fitness is my medicine and that just saved me and creating so that's I know it's a long-winded answer but that my brother was the main inspiration for why I wanted to to make Abe and just show how fragile the the mind can be and even when it looks as though you have everything unless you have that support and understanding and you understand what you're going through yourself you've got nothing i mean just last week a good friend of mine he was a lot younger than me danny he um he committed suicide he he was only 36 years old suffered for a long time two or three years since he split with his wife successful bricklayer just a very humble nice guy um when went off on friday night nobody had seen him like it was actually friday afternoon just walked into the backwoods where he lives and then he, he was found on monday and and again that could have been prevented it could have been prevented if he had someone just to freaking talk to and go mate what you're going through is like literally every single human probably on earth goes through it. maybe it's not to that that level but everyone has a has a taste of that that anxiety that pressure and that sadness it's in us all but it's it's understanding and acknowledging it and and not feeling um ashamed of feeling that way it's about going okay i'm feeling this right now that's that's cool it's it's normal it hasn't come to stay it's come to pass so just ride the wave accept it don't be ashamed of it breathe and just every single day it's just a new day it's just a new day just keep going so that's basically why i wanted to make abe i think that what you said about everyone gets a taste of it is a is a good point yeah and i think it's one that we don't like to think of because mm. people okay we've all acknowledged depression exists now and at least we've got to that stage yeah. which is better than where we were yep but we, we think of it as this thing you kind of either have or you don't but yeah. i think everyone has had everyone's kind of been on the foothills of yeah. of being in a bad yeah. mental health situation and i think just acknowledging that it it's a step towards i guess um you've been a bit kinder to each other because yeah. going back to what we started off when we were bantering at the beginning about kind of finding ways to be cross with each other yeah. if you acknowledge that every other human being you meet is at some stage they're going to have you know hopefully not not nothing bad but they're going to have some yeah. mental health issues or very least they're going to know people that do so if we all, if we know that about each other yeah. it puts being snarky and yeah and finding fault with each other into a different context for yeah. me because you, you start to think well yeah well this person's also suffered so why do i want to heap more suffering yeah. on them by telling them there's something that something that you believe is wrong, yeah. something that you think is wrong, something you think about 
anything that doesn't really matter in life yeah. all these things we used to disagree about you're you're a slightly worse person because of that i'm choosing to judge you for yeah. it and when we when we're on that footing with each other those two things don't really sit well together no if we're going to have this this kind of kindness and acceptance that and you don't know when you meet someone you don't know what stage of that they might be in exactly whether they're in a you know hopefully they're having a lovely day but yeah. you know you just don't know how you're going to find people yeah. And you need to give them that space to... And that, that's it. And we're so, as humans, I think we're so bloody judgmental. And we, we do it sometimes subconsciously. We don't realise it. Like, I'm very conscious of it now. And, but I'll still do it in my mind. It's just not vocalised. And I'll go, oh, that, why did you think that? That wasn't like, you're not, you're not thinking properly there. You're just automatically seeing something and going, oh, there you go. You know, and and even now after making a film, which is all about don't judge by appearances, I still catch myself from time to time doing it. I think it's just a human flaw uh, with media and every social media, especially. I think it's just something that is always going to be there. You just have to be aware of it, be more aware. Yeah, I think well, acknowledging that you that bad thoughts are going to come into your head all yeah. the time is is part of dealing with it. Yeah, because yeah, you can't just you can't just shut off and never think a negative thought about people. Yeah. It pops up, we're, we're wired for it. Yeah. But what you don't have to do is indulge it and decide yeah. that it's a way to live your life. Exactly. This is what I'm going to do today. I'm going yeah. to call this person yeah. out and I'm going to, you know, yeah. putting people down. And what a miserable way to live. Because, like, misery loves company, right? So if you're, like, I can't remember who said it, but they went, show me the five people you spend most of the time with and I'll show you your life in five years. And it's true, so if you're hanging about with people who are negative and miserable all the time and just think the world's against them and they're, they're living with this sense of entitlement going, oh, I, I deserve this, I de-, yet they're doing nothing about it, you end up rubbing off and with, with that. But if you surround yourself, like we do, Richmond Fitness Club, with people who health and fitness is a way of life it's an energy and, and there's banter there but you push each other to greatness yeah and everyone's trying to maintain themselves everyone's yeah. like oh you know I've got this injury but I'm fighting through it and yeah. the, the goal whether other people are into it or not is to get better at something and to be in a better condition and you know if we live a longer and happier life yeah. I mean it's not a small thing is it exactly you know? exactly I mean, it's a, health is wealth mate it's, it's everything man. it's everything you know, you don't want to be the, the wealthiest person in the graveyard, right? No. That's it. Are you, when you were making Abe, were you still going through some difficulties of your own then? Were you kind of up and down? It was, it got worse during the making of Abe because like when I started the process, I was 12 stone, healthy as hell, um, shredded wheat, <laughs> to say. I was training really, really hard and I was like, I've got to make this film uh, and it's going to be so difficult to lose all all this muscle mass so I need to start now so you decided you needed to get down yeah to, yeah you just what so you decided this guy was really skinny right he just he'd like because the the actual so Abe's about a mentally ill recluse living on the streets of LA it wouldn't it wouldn't work to have him I, jacked would it he, he was it? yeah he's just a he'd given up to yeah. you know he just didn't care anymore he, he was he's like he's in limbo he's just wandering meandering through life he doesn't understand 
I don't want to give too much of the film, but he just doesn't understand anymore what it's like. So, but not being him, but you. So, yeah. you're, so you've decided to lose what? Oh, you just man. set yourself a goal. I, you? I didn't. I just, I just. The goal was I need to look ill. That was like that was the goal. I was like I need to look like a man who's in in pain, basically. Um, so I just went. It took me eighteen months to to lose all that weight and by the time we filmed I'd gone from 12 stone which I'm back to now there or thereabouts down to just a little under seven and a half stone oh. yeah it was um it was brutal my hair was falling out I'd like hardly ever slept because my butt I was just in pain some days and I, I don't recommend this to anyone and I'd never do it again because my, my health means too much to me if I got a role where I had to do that again I'd go CGI bro mm. <laughs> you, know, like, you can you, or body double it do you know I'm not putting myself through that um, that again just because it was dangerous I'd, I'd go three or four days without eating it became an obsession do you know I'm, I was very pig headed when I started the journey thing I can do anything I had I've many things but I was like a man can do everything as long as it's not forever this isn't forever suffer suffer now suffer now but it became an obsession to the point where if i'd eat after three days of not eating i'd be so guilty i'd go and run like 20 or 30 miles i was like that's all i did i dropped every other form of exercise but to get even skinnier i'd be doing like every other day i'd run at least 10 miles but it was usually anywhere between 15 to 20 miles so you could have you could have died didn't yeah you? Yeah. yeah yeah it was really really stupid of me to be that arrogant to think um that I, w I wasn't like everybody else and that my body could could handle it it couldn't it couldn't i mean i'm lucky so you're playing a you're playing a role in this right as an actor but you probably sounds like you're having a worse time than the the guy <laughs> in the film do you know what i mean yeah yeah i mean it must have been horrible and, and you must have been thinking because you're doing this you know memory of your brother right yeah and you've had some issues of your own yeah in the middle of this must you, it must have felt a bit like you were killing yourself yeah i mean yeah yeah um I, it was like for, i think in some strange way i was punishing myself because it was kind of i didn't realize it at the time but i was like if he's gone why do i deserve to be here i started to like think I, I I need to work hard harder I need to I need to create something and and really suffer to to earn the right to be alive it's a bizarre and ridiculous but when your brain goes that way there ain't no there ain't no telling it and that's what was in my head I was like okay if if I, I'm making this film for, for my brother but I'm also making it let's to to show people the kind of art and the kind of work that that I care about um, and I'll, I'll be like well I have to I have to work hard and suffer more than everyone else you know that that's a crazy thought in my head and and all I keep keep thinking about as as well as my brother was Christian Bale and the machinist Christian Bale and the machinist do you know so you've got these kind of two you've got these I guess they're competing thoughts in yeah. your head so you've got this part of you to sort of giving up and yeah. survivor guilt about your brother yeah and yet you want you know you, you you care enough about this profession in your, yeah. your life to want to make a success of it yeah so i guess it's those two things pulling you in different directions when your head's in a 
it was Difficult. messed up. It was messed up because this makes watching the film even more. You know, because I I yeah. watched it not knowing this. Right? Yeah. I mean, I knew a bit, a bit of the background, but yeah. I didn't know what you'd gone through to make it. Yeah. So to look at the guy in the film and think that's you and you're really suffering in there. Yeah. I mean, I'm not saying it makes it. You know, if you've been a good yeah. idea to have done it for no. your health, but yeah. you did do it. Yeah. And it must have been crazy. It is. It is. But like you, you learn a lot. I mean, that's that's. I guess in the industry they call that method acting but to be honest I could get to that state in terms of like the experience I have as an actor now I can get to that level of of performance without having to to put myself through that hell you know it's just at the time I wanted like I wanted to suffer for that guy I wanted to because um, it's around forever now that, that film's going to be there long after I'm gone and it was just one of those things where I went if I do one thing in my life I have this is a thing that I have to do properly so I might if I'm fortunate enough I might go on to win Oscars and all sorts of things but honestly I don't think anything will mean as much to me as as this film did well hopefully you won't put as much physically into it because yeah. it, since then have you looked after yourself physically massively so. yeah everything not just in terms of training but in terms of like the the food the nutrition I put into my body the um, the drinks the things things that I drink I very rarely drink alcohol I like whiskey so when I drink but I do I do like to get I'm I'm a northerner at the end of the day so I do like to go hard sometimes and have a blowout but they're very 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 rare um, but yeah when it comes to health and fitness it's it's a massive priority. And again, like the gift of doing this most recent job, that's like heaven to me, having to go through six weeks of intense fight training. So this was one the one where you were that mad-looking soldier, didn't Yeah, yeah, so it's, um, it's a, a pilot called Damned, so it's a company called Bulletproof Media, and um, it's set 100 years in the future, and basically it's like Brexit's happened and the country's gone into complete disarray. There's no formal government and this militant group called the Guard has come in to Britain to restore it back to its former glory. But the Guard end up being tyrants. Like, so it's, it's even worse than living in Saddam Hussein's Iraq. And my character, Tom, is one of the, the big bosses within the Guard and just hates how it's going. He's a, he's a real stand-up guy and believes in England and, and wants to be fair and just, and he sees it going the other way, so he, he just defects. So he, he escapes from the guard. You can't escape from the guard if you leave, especially with someone of Tom's, Tom's level. They're going to hunt you down and kill you because you know too much and you're probably one of the only people who, could, who has the power and capabilities to, to destroy that whole function so the pilot is 30 minutes of basically me kicking the shit it's a lot deeper than that but there's so much fighting in it but again for me that's like I'm a kid in a candy shop because it's one of the things I've always wanted to do like a, an action drama so it's not just a cheesy fight 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 there's actual a real level, level of depth and a political awareness within within this show so it's in post-production right now i have no idea when it'll when it'll get released but i'm hoping 
because you never know how it's going to turn out it's all down to post-production in terms of the way it's edited i was very happy with what i did on on set but as an actor you go and you do your thing and then you're gone and the film has a life like a year after you've left that project and moved on where the music's being made it's getting color graded it's getting cut together it's going through all these various different changes adr all this crazy stuff um and then when you see the finished product it's one or two things it's like and you just never know you, so ne- so you just it could be massive or just nothing it could be it's massive nothing. or it could be nothing but the only thing i know for sure is i love doing what i do so regardless of the outcome i'm always going to do it you always want the outcome to be great because then that'll lead on to more work and open more doors for you as a job in actor that's that's really important someone who has to supplement his income by coaching or doing other lines of work you're always all i want to do is acting right full time but i I don't have the um the not the opportunity but the uh, i'm not comfortable enough i'm not at that level in my career where i have i can afford to do that so you're always hoping that it'll it'll come out to a point where you know there'll be some heat and it'll open more doors for you but even if it doesn't, every experience for me is a wonderful experience. If I'm acting, I'm acting. Doesn't doesn't matter what it is, and I freaking absolutely love it. So I does, it, does it ever strike since you've made a when you've got involved with um, you know mental health campaigning yeah. and so forth? Does it strike you that as a profession for mental health, acting is? I guess it's one of the most one of the more challenging ones in that you know does. You don't have the stability. You're wondering, is this going to make it or not? So, did you did you ever ever get to the point when you're deep into it and thinking, I, you know, do something else? Oh man, every yeah, all the time. That it's um, that uncertainty is something that you never get away from. And there's there's been many times where I'm like, what the fuck am I doing? You know, I'm killing myself and getting nowhere. You think that at the time, but like I've quit acting probably about. 10 times for an hour that's it I quit I'm done I'm not doing it no more <laughs> then an hour later I'll be reading a script or something going yeah calm down because you do um, but again I think if you're really passionate about something you're winning already because then no matter what you're going to do it for the passion if you're chasing wealth finance do something else because you'll get there a lot quicker um wealth isn't the the end goal for me which thank god it's something that i'd love don't get me wrong but it's not why i got into acting in the first place and it's not the thing that keeps me in there because there's been plenty of opportunities for me to go off and do um different careers in different industries and become financially very successful but it's it's just never never been my thing and again i'm a man of quotes because i read a lot and I just keep thinking to myself, I think it was Les Brown who said, if you do what is hard, your life will be easy. But if you do what is easy, your life will be hard. So by by staying the course and working on my craft and, and just improving and, and becoming a master of the arts, it's, you it's hard. Well. You've got to this stage and it's the first time you've used the word craft. Craft, yeah. <laughs> you yeah. always just see other actors, they do talk about their craft. Yeah, oh man. But you've got to like, you've got to like it, haven't yeah. you? Yeah, you have to. It, at the end of the day, like, it, it, is, it is art. You're creating a character out of nothing. You're bringing, 
you're bringing a writer's words to life so you, you, you're the final piece and a good actor a good artist not to sound bougie they will they will surprise a director and writer by taking what they've they've written and their vision of how a scene should play out from the page and bringing it to life and again going back to Tom I, he's, he's a master of that because they know they don't have to, they get excited they'll be like that waiting to see what because they know that he's going to take what they've done and make it that little bit better it's it's layers it's layers upon layers in Abe my co-stars I knew and I was very like it was hard to convince those guys to do it because they're very well established TV actors Patrick he's done a lot of movies as well he was in Master and Commander with Russell Crowe he played Genghis Khan in all the Night of the Museum movies and he was working on a show at the time as was Rich Short who, who played opposite me Rich was in Vinyl Martin Scorsese's Vinyl the TV series so he, was, he flew over from New York back to LA for two days to shoot wow. um, but it took a while to convince him but they loved the script and things like that. I don't know where I was going I've lost my trail of thought it all do it happens to yeah, it yeah so. um, but yeah so go, going back to the craft it's, it's oh yeah I was, I was, I was taking the piss out taking the piss out the, 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 the craft but um, yeah, and, and an actor's job, a good, good actor will add that, that next layer. So it, it's, all, it's like a cake. So you get the, the idea and then that idea turns into a one pager. Then that one pager turns into a, a film Bible or a storyboard or a show Bible. And then that's turned into a first draft. And then that first draft's turned into a final, final draft then you get the cast to get so it's all these like it's a multitude of layers when you go and watch films now are you just thinking of all the masses of effort that's gone into it no I used to switch off? I switch off yeah I used to when I, when I first was studying and the first few years of my career it did ruin the magic for me a bit because I was like oh man that light should have been there I'd, I'd have done that I was always like sec, second guessing it instead of going I switched that side of my, myself off now and I go let's just go and enjoy it and if if something really grabs my attention i'll watch it a couple of times um, and that's when i'll start because i'll be like i love what they did there i want to know so how they did it constructing it yeah yeah and, and and it's because i want to know how they did that like what what kind of lighting did they use what was the director's intention there like how did they capture that why did that actor make me like hold my breath and and i love this little thing I do when when I see a scene that just and the acting just blows me away I'll watch it again but with the sound off so I'm not getting distracted and I'm just watching their eyes and how they're holding themselves a body because you can tell a lot a great actor for me they don't have to save it the, anything you know that they, they can do it all with that you know and that's why when Tom did Dunkirk and all you can see is his eyes <laughs> He's done a lot of mask acting, <laughs> hasn't he? But he's incredible, like, and that's just testament. And you've got these huge, like, incredible directors saying, he's just incredible. We knew the only guy who could do it was Tom. Yeah. It's like Christopher Nolan said, can you imagine that? When you, um, you had any of those, like, really embarrassing audition moments, like when they make you do? Yeah, yeah, I've had a ton of them. Um, one of the very first ones was um, I went in for Mamma Mia the film oh yeah and 
I said my agent knew at the time I'm, I'm not like I can move can do a bit of dancing but I'm not a dancer uh, and again it was at the beginning of my career so I was fresh out of drama college and so I'm like pumped oh my god this is, it's a feature film it's a feature film um, so I go in and the audition is full of dancers so it was a dance proper dancers proper dancers and um, it was freestyle so basically you had to go in front of all these like there was three or four people on the part I felt like it was American Idol or something like that. American Idol wasn't even around then, or X Factor, but it was, and and I can just remember being stood there thinking, fuck, can I, can I like it, can I like it? And I just didn't, and then I just got in the middle of this, and I don't, I, I can't even remember what I did, just, but it was horrendous. Oh, <laughs> yeah. can I, can I, I think I was putting punches and <laughs> That's right, I was like, back in the nightclubs of the northeast oh my god so yeah whatever i was doing but you could just see that the faces like go like that and one of them start like start taking the piss and you know going oh, no. <laughs> like that and i, I just like i don't go yeah then i rang my agent i was like what the when that was a dance or did like i had to freaking dance i can't he's like oh i'm so sorry there was another one where i got asked to come in for um the lead in this this film and when I got in there they went okay have you had a chance to look over the script I went yeah yeah it's interesting it wasn't it wasn't that great at all but again beginning of my career went, okay are you ready should we, should we just have a read then should we go for it I was like yeah absolutely so we go for it and they go whoa 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 uh, can, can you stop there I was like fuck was that, that shit already they went um, can you do it in Indian so I was like oh yeah yeah no problem I thought they meant Indian accent. So I started doing like this, you know, what What do you mean? And then I went, no, no, can we stop you again? I'll do a bit more. Yeah, yeah they went, they went can, can we stop you again? Um, I went, yeah, yeah, I went, what's, they went, not, not an Indian accent, like the language. And I was like, I can't speak Indian, like I can't speak Punjabi, it's not on my CV. It's not on my resume. Oh. Okay. We just assumed. <laughs> yeah, just assumed. <laughs> so I was like that. Wait, did that? I thought you all could. That's it. That's it. So I was, I was like embarrassed, and they went, um, "Do you want to go outside and have ten minutes and and see if you can?" I was like, "No, I can't." What do you want to go? Do you want to go and learn <laughs> to speak Indian? In, like, oh. yeah. So I was like, I, I can't. Yeah. yeah, I was like, I, I can't. Um, and and just left, and that was it. But there's there's been lots of stories well, I remember like this bloke he'd, give, he'd given up acting and this, the reason he gave me was that he'd gone to an audition and um, they, they'd said there's a shower scene and they yeah. just said oh we'll just, um, just drop off and, uh, yeah. and, and, sh and imagine showering yourself so he said he was standing there like really self-consciously like imagine yeah. imagine he was shampooing yeah. his naked body and they just went next yeah. and he said he was there like didn't even have the dignity, so he's like scrabbling back into his clothes. That stuff and does just happen. Like, oh, this is not for me. If you get, if you, if you're lucky enough to get past that, I've never had that because I've always, when it's come to stuff like that, if it's full frontal nude in an audition, I go no. I'm like, you don't need to see that in the audition. Like Game of Thrones is full of that, so I just, I just won't do it. I'll just go. I'll say to my agent, no, no, thanks, not for me. Um, but they never. 
I've got a really good agent now and they know they know what the the crack is basically and they'll never if every now and again a dodgy audition slips through the net and they're like well, we're really sorry about that won't happen again but it's like it's one of them they'll go Steve this request is coming for you have a look if you want to do it cool if you don't nine times out of ten because I'm not on that level it's it's something that's it's not going to serve me do you know if if I'm not going to grow from it as a, as an actor or it's not going to be finan financially beneficial then there's no point in doing it right life's too short but yeah rejection man it's it's the most it, I think it's the only career I know of where you could be world class and st and not have a career in it and you can be mediocre and be f super successful I don't know any other careers and it's not letting that bitterness set in. Yeah, that's yeah. The, that's the tough one. And that's what I like about yeah. you is you've got this this really positive attitude. Yeah. And you know you need it in all things. Yeah. Particularly in a game like yours where there's constant yeah. rejection and fallow yeah. times and stuff. As you, and you say constantly being judged and not yeah. necessarily judged fairly either. Yeah. So to stay positive to all of that. It's insane. And and again, I went through some dark times. At one one stage in my career I went four years where I wasn't even getting the opportunity to be rejected. Now, in the industry, when you've got your mentors and stuff, they talk about rejection all the time. Rejection, you've got to make it your best friend, you know, because you're going to get a lot of it. Even Leonardo DiCaprio, when he started flying, if he, if he went to 100 meetings in a year and booked two of those jobs, that was an incredibly successful year. That's a kind of level of rejection. During these four years, I did get bitter because I never got one single meeting. I couldn't, for, for love or money, nobody wanted to see me for anything. I was literally invisible. So when I get auditions now and I get rejected, even though I want, of course I want the jobs, it's, I'm so grateful for just getting those opportunities now because there's nothing worse than not getting anything at all, not getting the opportunity be, to be rejected. It's worse than being rejected. So those four years taught me a lot and especially taught me that I freaking love doing what I do and I just want to keep getting better and better at it and, and create more stories on a bigger scale and small like Abe, do you know, stories where people watch them and go and it makes them think about everything, you know. Um, it, it has a level of ambiguity that I like and that, that kind of where you don't know you're always thinking about oh, what what happened where where did that go what happened to this, this character and that character i like that in storytelling i like to leave leave it open for interpretation brilliant well it's great to have you on stephen apple actor and mental health campaigner thanks very Woo! much for doing it man thanks Love for having me cheers. thanks for having me thanks, mate. Stephen. cheers thank you very much to stephen apple he is Stephen with a P-H Upple, U-P-P-A-L, at Stephen Upple on Instagram. If you want to watch Abe, it's available on YouTube now, free to watch, A-B-E. Thanks very much to Stephen, I hope you enjoyed listening to that, and now you can hear him ranting about Piers Morgan. Yeah, your interview no. with Piers Morgan was funny as fuck. <laughs> what a, I don't like him at all, man. You don't have Piers Morgan? No. Nobody does. No, what a freaking turd he is. It's just, I'm glad you proper humiliated him. I think you humiliated him on that show because he lost his rag. Since I did that show, I guess well, probably hundreds of people have talked to me about 
Piers Morgan and mm. no one's had anything nice to say no. there no no he's just pompous isn't he I think there's a massive sense of entitlement and he just thinks he's right about everything don't like that kind of attitude there's no give or take and how can you grow if you're that kind of person how can you like adapt and evolve if it's like da -da 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 -da, and you've got no room for anyone else's opinions there's something about that kind of angry tabloid attack yeah. mentality that I find really disturbing yeah because you you know you see it as a I think he's very good at it actually yeah. as, a, as, a, as a sort of as a sport yeah you know you see something you find the thing to get angry about you know it's a real it's a real old tabloid skill you and you and you and you find a way to get, get other people angry about yeah. it and you get your yourself righteous yeah because you did that journalism didn't you or do you still do it I mean, I was a I was a news journalist yeah. for years. Yeah, it's, it's a it's a fascinating trade, but yeah. after a while, you get to kind of see it for what it is. Yeah, and I mean, it's definitely a form of entertainment. Yeah, right. So you see people fresh out of journalism school, and they think you're kind of reporting the, the truth as you see it, and then what you're really doing is presenting them things that. Yeah. That will continue again to continue supporting you. Yeah. So you know you're showing them the things to get, get them the right mix of kind of angry and sad. Yeah. And they all, and and, people, and I think we all do think we're just keeping ourselves informed. Mm. I don't know. Yeah. I think we need less less reasons to be cross about stuff. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm -hmm.